Welcome to Live and Love Your Brand, a podcast to support you in sharing your message and mission with the world. I'm your host, Emma Lovell. I'm lovely by name, lovely by nature. I'm a personal branding specialist with a mission to support female entrepreneurs to live and love their brand. I've been running my business, Lovely Communications, for more than 12 years, and I can hand on heart say that my success has come from the strength of my personal brand. I believe in the power of owning and sharing our story. I want to help you own your story, shop consistently, and really put yourself out there. So here on the podcast, you'll find helpful tips, practical exercises, and joyful discussions that will inspire you to reconnect with your brand and communicate it more effectively. I'll be joined by incredible experts to discuss how personal branding can have a huge impact on your business and on your life. I'd love to hear from you, so please make sure to connect over on social media. You can find me on Instagram at lovelycoms, that's L-O-V-E-L-L-Y, double the L means double the life, Facebook, Lovely Communications, and you can join in the conversation in our lovely community, the Live and Love Your Brand Facebook group. Of course, make sure to come back weekly as each new episode drops. I can't wait to share with you how to gain clarity, build confidence, and increase connections all by sharing your unique personal brand with the world. Lovely Communications is based on the Gold Coast and recognises Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first peoples of this place, now known as Australia. We are grateful for the continuing care of the lands, waterways and skies where we work, live, listen, learn and play. From here on your Gumbe country and from wherever you are listening, we respect the elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome back to the Live and Love Your Brand podcast. I am delighted this week to be introducing Lindy Alexander, an award-winning freelance travel and food writer who also runs online courses for aspiring freelance writers and established freelancers who want to hit 100K per year from their writing. Wow. Now that's powerful. I am a huge fan of Lindy, as you will hear in this episode. Um because of how she shows up. Lindy is so open and honest to the point of disclosing her monthly earnings so that she can encourage other writers and her community to go out there and give writing as a career a go. As a background as a copywriter myself, I really admired the way that Lindy led us into her business, led us into her life and shared how she was growing her business and how she was doing that as a woman, as a mother as well. And her loyal following on her blog really shows testament to that honesty and to that openness that she shares. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing how you can be open and share with your audience while still remaining, um, saving some things for yourself and having that personal side come through whilst also not having to be completely vulnerable. Lindy gives some amazing tips as well as shares a little bit about how she's developing and growing her business as well and facing some of the fears that come up with that. So please enjoy this wonderful episode with Lindy just as much as I have. Welcome to the Live and Love Your Brand podcast, Lindy Alexander. Hi, Emma. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Now, I always like to start with the uh, big old question of who are you? 
And uh, so give us, I guess, your elevator pitch as much as I love that word, that term. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm Lindy Alexander and I'm a freelance food and travel writer. So I get to write about all the lovely things in life. And I also run the Freelancers Year, which is a blog and a newsletter and also online courses for new aspiring freelance writers as well as established writers who want to earn money or earn more money in less time, which is, I think, what we all want to do eventually. (laughs) It really is what we all want to do. But especially with freelance writing, that's my background as well. Like it's such a trading time for money um, space Mm -hmm. and it's so easy to cap out and to maybe not use your time as wisely as you could. And there comes, there's a real income ceiling, isn't there, in terms of when you're working in that kind of way as a, as a freelancer, which I guess means it, generally a freelancer means like a sole trader. It means you're working yourself, providing a service, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think initially when you get started too, it can feel like there's a real cap on your earnings. But for me, I've found that if you can work, I mean, it sounds like such a cliche, but if you can work smarter and you can implement some strategies, then actually it's really possible to kind of break beyond what you thought was your income ceiling. And not fall into that trap of the 40 hour week as well. I think you can so mm-hmm. easily, especially if you've come from working in a in a for someone else or working in as even as a writer within a business space you sort of do have that nine to five mindset even though we all know that work is no work is nine to five um but you know you end up working those traditional hours I know that even when I was doing some freelancing sometimes I just would slip into the rhythm of the of the contract to a client and it's like I don't need to be at the desk right now I can write when I want to that's the beauty Yeah, I think that is so true. And I think it takes a long time to break free from those shackles of nine to five. And I know for myself that I'm super productive in the morning. So Mm -hmm. I need to choose my time then to do all the writing work. And then often I'll do my emails in the afternoon. And sometimes I'll just take time off in the middle of the day to go for a walk or whatever it is and it's taken me a while not to feel guilty about that and sometimes I talk to freelancers who are like bum on chair nine to five but really only do two or three hours Mm -hmm. of concentrated work and I just think why don't you put (laughs) why don't you concentrate those couple of hours at the start of the day or the end of the day whenever you're most productive and then the rest of the time it's okay to step away from the desk that's that I think they're the worst days they're the worst days I I find is that I just um yeah when you've been at the desk but you've not really done anything and it just feels like such a waste of a day when especially as a writer uh, or even any creative a lot of the work is done in that walking time or in the like we were saying off off air at 12 30 a.m when you're meant to be sleeping and you get the greatest uh start paragraph to your article (laughs) absolutely like in the shower gardening walking the dog I think that I think it's easy to discount that thinking time but actually I think that is crucial for creative freelancers well yeah and it was really lovely I had a um sort of a mentor who said that to me once it was like I was like, I wrote this article in an hour or two. Like, why am I faffing about all this time? And she's like, it's the faffing about that allows you to write that article quickly. It's those weeks of thinking about it or like coming back to it or discussing it that then when, you know, a deadline is coming, you actually sit and get the computer and all of the, that content 
gets put into a structure that is the piece of work that you're delivering. <laughs> yeah, that's so reassuring too, isn't it? <laughs> to be told that it's okay. It's okay to be faffing about the edges. But either that is part of the process, but how nice if you can build that in in a love, like in a nice way, not sitting at the desk trying to think for, for eight hours, going, I'll go out for a couple of hours and then when I come back, I'll be able to be productive. Oh, well, and so what were you doing before you started the World of Freelancers Year, but also being a freelancer yourself? So my background's in social work. So I was a social worker for 10 years and writing was always something that I wanted to do, but I never considered pursuing it because in my mind, you either had to be a journalist or a novelist. And I didn't really want to be either of those. And I didn't even contemplate the idea of freelance writing until uh, 2012 when I was pregnant with my first child and I had a stretch of maternity leave and I think that time of what seems like you're doing nothing is actually really important because I was like, I wonder if I could do a little bit of freelance writing. There's no pressure. No one knows what I'm doing. There's no expectations on Mm -hmm. me. I don't have to work in the traditional sense I don't have to go back to my job and so I started writing I got paid for articles and this whole avenue opened up in front of me and I was like oh my goodness people are going to pay me to write and so I kept that as a side hustle until 2017 I went full-time and that's when I started the freelancers year because I really wanted to chronicle what it was like Mm. going full-time as a freelancer because so many people had said to me it's going to be so tough. It's going to be so hard. You're not going to make any money. Good luck, basically. And so I just thought, well, I'm sure there are other people who are thinking about going full time. Maybe this would be a nice sense of camaraderie for them to be able to read what that journey is like. I'm so sorry that people said that to you because (laughs) it is absolutely possible. I would have been the person saying, just do it. I mean, disclaimer, it's not going to be easy, but Nora is doing a job that you don't really want to be doing or that's not really fulfilling your lifestyle or your heart like that's not easy either (laughs) no and I had a false start where I kind of talked um, to local people here where I live about finding some office space and I was just about to make the leap and then totally chickened out because I just let all those voices get to me and I spoke to a high profile freelancer um and she just said, look, I don't know that you're going to be able to make more than $50,000 a year from freelancing. And it really, and I really looked up to her and that was her experience, but mm-hmm. I felt quite um, crestfallen by that and thought if she's telling me it's going to be really hard, she's been in this industry for so long, what do I know? I've come to it from social work. Mm. I probably need to rethink my path. Uh, So it took another couple of years before I was like, no, really, I think I can do this. I want to challenge myself. Yeah. And what a gift now that you've given people in terms of showing that it is absolutely possible and, and more. And that's something the, the biggest reason I've wanted you to come here and talk was because your newsletters are so open. They're so honest. And I found out about you through Rachel's list. So we're both member of Rachel's list. Um, Rachel runs this amazing community for writers, which also has that beautiful open space of people sharing honestly about what what they're what they're working on and how they work. But your your newsletters, which are so consistent as well, it's something I talk to my clients about around consistency. <laughs> follow Lindy's lead. You actually share your income, like dollar amounts. How 
what was the decision there and was that from day one? That's a big question and a good question. So, yeah, what happened? So in the lead up to going full time, I had this inkling, I want to go full time. My partner and I were talking and he said, I'm happy to stay at home with the kids for a year. Let's see if, Mm. let's do an experiment, see if it can work. And I started listening to podcasts and I was listening to Ed Gandia's podcast and he was interviewing Jennifer Goforth Gregory and she is a content writer based in the US and she was talking about how she earned $100,000 in a year. And that blew my mind because I'd never heard anybody talking about being able to earn, A, being able to earn that kind of money from freelance writing and B, I'd never heard anybody talk about money like that which is kind of funny, right? Because in freelance writing, I feel like so many people are like, what's the pay rate? What's your word Mm -hmm. rate? There's a lot of talk about money, but there's not a lot of transparency about money. And also money is not something that I feel particularly comfortable talking about. So I had this idea, I'm going to go full-time as a freelance writer. Could I possibly hit $100,000 a year? I have no idea how to do that. I don't have a business background. Most of my editors towards the end of 2016 had left their jobs. So I was scrambling a bit to have relationships but with editors but I thought well maybe this will be a really great challenge for me so I started my blog and at the end of each month I did a roundup how many articles I pitched what editors had come to me how the split between feature articles for Mm -hmm. magazines and newspapers and then corporate work and each month I set myself an income target and I shared it in the first few months that I was setting this income target but I never said what it was and at the end of the blog post each month I'd kind of say oh I hit my my target or I didn't quite hit my target and it was very vague yeah and then I just thought you know what like if I am honestly trying to communicate with freelance writers and let them know it's possible to earn a good income which I was starting to prove in those first few months I was like I have to put a figure on it I need to share how much I'm earning and I felt sick about the idea mm-hmm. of putting those numbers and those figures out there and my partner was worried that uh, I might get trolled or that people would react really negatively that it would be seen as boasting I or I was worried what if I have an amazing month one month and then I only earn a thousand dollars the next month but overall I just thought I need to put the figures there because I can say it's possible to earn a good income from freelance writing. But what does that mean? Like for me, it might be $2,000 a month. For you, Emma, it might be $10,000 a month. So why don't I put the figures out there and just see what happens? So I think I did that from the March or the April of the first year of the blog. And slowly, that's the thing that attracted people. I think that's the thing that had people coming back to read it because Who doesn't want a behind-the-scenes look to know? I mean, we're all interested in it, but most of us are too polite to ask. So I just saved people from having to ask me and put it out there. I love that you removed, you know, the, you know, smoke and mirrors because it is, it is such a, when you're starting out, it is, and even when you're long into it, you know, I remember accidentally um, finding a folder, um, which was a bit terrible of their security, but I was doing a contract for a client in-house found a folder where my invoices were but were alongside other invoices and I felt sick because I was charging like $40 an hour and they were some of these were charging 110 and I was like why am I you know you know I later rationalized it was like I was on a 40 hour a week kind of contract 
getting consistent work, I've been working with them for years. These people had one or two invoices, so they're done a one and done. But whatever. It, but it was like, really, is that the money that's out there? Is that what am I doing? And then I went into a spiral of like, I'm not charging enough. I'm not good enough. I'm wasting my time. What am I even doing? And so hearing someone else talk about it, and actually, I would have loved to see your $2,000 a month because it's the reality. Like, there are $10,000 months and there are $0 months, especially yeah, around yeah. <laughs> December to February. You know, the marketing time is quiet if you don't have contracts in sometimes in, in this creative industry in December you may not be getting work until March and that's happened. So I just think to make people feel not, not alone and to also see the possibility and you write about it very, very frankly, but very, very openly too. And like you said, that letting people in, like there'd be so much more that you're not telling us. Like you don't have to tell everything you're not telling like, and this editor paid me this and this no. client did that. <laughs> like it's not that detail, but it still showed that it's possible. And I love that um, the breakdown you did as well. I remember actually reading one of your, your blogs and it was about multiple income streams or how can you, how can you diversify your revenue? And I think I was in a little bit of a like, I'm only getting work from this space. And I went, oh, I could do this or this or this or this and wrote it down. And it's like, oh, well, there's, you know, if it was the 100K mark, there's the 100K. Mm-hmm. And so I really loved that, that you broke that down as well, that people can think of writing in one way and they're like, I must get magazine, I must get magazine, I must get magazine. Well, actually, you could get a corporate who has a blog that needs writing. You know, it could yeah. be social media posts that need writing. It could be, I don't know, an ebook. It could be a, it could be a ghost writing novel for 50 grand, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, there are so many opportunities. I think that's exactly right. And, and I think um, you said it's about, seeing the possibility. And I think that's how I felt when I heard Jennifer Gregory say about her 100K year, that made me instantly think it's possible. And I don't know if it's possible for me, but if she can do it, that means that someone's doing it. And so I wanted, I mean, I didn't know if I was going to hit 100K, but I wanted to show people that it's possible to earn 10,000. I think I had nearly a $20,000 month in, in one of those months as well. And I wasn't working 90 hour weeks it was a mix of corporate and feature writing and I was just sharing what I learned along the way like I wasn't positioning myself as an expert it would have been much more comfortable to have already hit the 100k and been like okay I can do it and now I'm going to share how to do it but I just saw it as a bit of an experiment to see what would happen and that's why I named it the freelancers year because it was only going to be a year but then I grew this small, beautiful community of readers and I thought, well, I'm just going to keep going. If they like what I'm doing, I'm just going to keep my blog posts and my newsletter going. Please do. Don't stop. (laughs) Even though though I'm not predominantly right, I'm not really writing. Um, It's lovely though. It's a lovely string to have in my bow as well. Like it's, um, it is something that you can always come back to and and for once you have done writing and you enjoy that you know, to have editors that know you and come and you get to that point where they do come and say, oh, I've got an article, I'm going to pay you this much, can you write about this thing? It's like, sure, actually that is something I can do and I can find some hours in the week and it's a lovely thing that you can scale up or scale down depending on your time and depending on your, I guess, effort level of whether you're pitching or whether people are coming to you and you also discuss that as well because I think it's the how do you get the work? How does work come to you? And you talk about that relationship building um, and that some of it is pitching and how many pitches you're actually putting out there because that's 
And he'd be like, oh, I'm not getting work. I'm not getting work. I'm not. Are you actually telling somebody who you are and where you are? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm and available. No, I mean, that's right. And there was someone in one of my um, courses that we have a private community and she was saying the other day that she feels like her pictures weren't resonating, weren't landing. And we were having the conversation around, well, how many are you sending out? And she's like, oh, (laughs) okay, I'm realising that I am not really sending them out. So you feel like you send one pitch and you don't hear back and then suddenly it's easy to create a story around that, that Mm -hmm. no one's interested or your pitches aren't working. But it is a bit, it's a relationship game, but it's also a numbers game as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's with with anything and it's, you know, if you send five things and you get five, it's like, great, but you might send five and get one or you might send 10 and get one, but that one might be the 5,000 a month that you were aiming for. Exactly. So, you know, keep, and, and also it's um, a no is not a no forever. Um, it could be a no for right now or that story isn't or like it's so frustratingly I pitched one once and it was like we literally just published like I'd been to Mongolia and it was like we've just published I'm like Mongolia like come on like who goes to Mongolia apparently somebody the month before so like well it shows that you were right on with your idea just like (laughs) timing was wrong yeah Yeah, I'm like I'll call you in two years when that story is out of date and you needed a refresh on the Mongolia story but yeah it's that it's not, and I know that sometimes I've got lazy and when I think that's what you do tend to as well, once you have those relationships, you don't need to pitch yourself so much so you can get lazy. But when you have to start with a new publication, it's that introducing yourself again. And what's one of the things I also love about you is that you're working under your name. And I wonder if that was obviously the freelancers year has a name, but was that ever like, um, did you ever have a, a decision point on whether you go for a business name or whether you just worked under your name and are there any challenges in terms of I guess being the brand and being the business Mm, I think there are lots of challenges (laughs) I think initially I think in terms of my writing it happened so organically and as a freelance writer you have to be attached to your name unless you're writing something that is deeply personal and you might be able to have a pseudonym or be anonymous. Um, but in terms of the freelance writing, no, it's always going to be my name. The freelancers year also started quite organically. So I didn't really think too much about separating myself from it because it was me and my experiences. Now that I'm running online courses, mm-hmm. I've had that business since 2017. Yeah, I'm starting to think, okay, how do I separate myself? Do I want to separate myself from it? I would love to start to introduce some guest presenters into my courses. So it is a little bit sticky and it is a bit tangled. And I don't know if I mentioned to you, but I recently just set up a different Instagram account because I had my personal one, yep. which anyone could follow under Lindy Alexander Writer. But then I thought, well, there's a lot of people on that who are editors, they're already established writers, family, friends, kind of everybody's there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start up one just for the freelancers year, which is if you want writing content, go there. So I have started to separate church and state, if you like, but it hasn't <laughs> been it hasn't been a seamless process and I probably should have given it more thought than I did initially, but I didn't know that it was going to grow into this thing, this business. No, but I love that you just started. And one of the things that comes up with my clients is they're like, I can't work under my name because I want to grow. And I'm like, but right now, let's be honest, it's you. 
yes. it is you. You are the yes. one who's delivering the service and you are the one who's going to grow your business. And it's yes. you, Lindy, who had the relationships or built those relationships and reached out to people and said, hey, I'm a writer. Can I write for you? And now that you've established that, then yes, you can create a business. And it, I think that's such a great message because people get so stuck on that when they're starting out. Of, And I came from an era of you needed a business name to be taken seriously. Like mm. I had to have a business. But I, on the same sense, I had my own Instagram for so long. It was like, it's me. It's I'm doing the speaking. I'm doing the writing. I'm doing the service delivery. I'm going to be your coach. But when my son came along, so because I'm in, you know, I've been running the business really opposite. I ran the business for 10 years and then had a child. Um, so I was like, no, I don't. I want that personal and I want the many facets to me. And so now I have my travel podcast and I have my business, have separate Instagrams. Of course, it's more work, but it's also, like you said, different audiences. Not everybody, my business clients don't necessarily want to hear all about my travels. My travel clients don't really want to be sold my course, uh, you know, and my both of those audiences may not want to see though he's very cute um my son spam so (laughs) you know but that's got to be what works for you and I think it's that check-in with yourself not seeing what I'm just going oh well everybody else has a business name so I need a business name or everyone else has this big company in this team so I need to have that as well it's like what works for your lifestyle and I think that it was you know that's really nice to hear that you have done this work under your name and now that you are transitioning to possibly a a brand that is by Lindy Alexander yeah oh I like that the freelancers year by Lindy Alexander (laughs) there we go you've got me in my zone I'm your specialty I love it and I think oh sorry I was just going to say I think um it's easy to preempt it's easy to think about um the problems before we get there like but I'm going to grow. I want to grow. So I've got to do things right now. But I think sometimes that can hold us back. Let's get there first. And then <laughs> if we have to untangle some stuff, we can untangle some stuff. And I think too, sometimes freelancers are really, um, they're conscious that maybe, or they feel that maybe organizations, companies, people won't want to work with them if they're just them. And so you see on their websites, there's we, they refer yeah. to themselves as we. And I think just be honest, like that is my motto, just be open and honest. If it's just you, it's just you. That is not a detraction. Lots of clients love that. And sometimes the kind of royal we, it confuses people. They're like, is it you or are you, are you palming off my work to someone mm-hmm. else? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I love that when I write to Lindy Alexander, Lindy Alexander wrote back. Oh, yeah. like, that's <laughs> really lovely, especially if you've been following someone for a while and it's like, you're going to get me. You're going to yes. work with me. I have a team and that's just a messaging thing. It's like me, the business owner or me, the creator or me, the the holder of the space and my team who facilitate me. Like, of course I have people who help me, but it's, and my team. And so when you're starting out that I think starting as your name and obviously freelancing, it, it really lends itself to that. But in any business or creative, it's like, as you said, be honest. And if it's you, it's actually you that they're going to connect with. And it's, you know, the fact that you said that that's your motto, open and honest. It's absolutely true. If you read anything of Lindy, you can, you do get your, your sense of you. And uh, I think that's been a lot of your success from my perspective. 
Mm, oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, if people email me, it's me. I'm, I'm replying. And sometimes people are shocked yeah. that I'll reply to my DMs or emails. Like if people email me, no, no, it is. It's just me. And look, who knows? I don't think my business is going to grow exponentially. But at some point, maybe, yes, I'll need to have someone replying to some things on my behalf. But I'm never, they're never going to pretend that they're me. No, no. And that, that is, I feel like, a, a past generation of business. And also, honestly, it's probably a more masculine way of doing business is that we have to be these big businesses and we're working with big businesses. But we love local. We love small businesses. If you think about, if you take it offline, why do you go to the local shop? Because you, you know the person. You want to yes. chat to the, the owner. You buy from them because you know their family. Why can't that be the same in the virtual and digital world? Why can't we love what Lindy's doing? and want to buy from her and want to get a piece of what she's selling. Yeah, you want to feel that connection, I think. And it's not always possible, but it's lovely to know that you're meeting someone human to human, even if it's over email or DMs. Yeah, I absolutely love it. So would you have a tip, like we've talked a little bit about those challenges, but do you have a tip for the audience if they are at the moment not really sharing openly or honestly in any way or sharing personally, what's a tip on how they can start to connect with their audience as themselves? I think it comes down to your motivation. I don't, I'm really not a fan of doing things because you feel like you should or because everyone else is doing it or because that's the way it's done in inverted commas. So I think for me, what really helped was thinking by sharing my income, do I think this is going to serve people? Do I think this is going to help people? Yes. Then it takes away a lot of that fear and worry about sharing that. There are other things that I wouldn't share because I don't think it would be self-serving rather than serving other people. So I think it's really about just doing what you feel comfortable with, but also recognising that there is growth in that discomfort and that just because something feels uncomfortable or challenging doesn't mean that it's a sign that it's wrong. So I'm in a mastermind at the moment. And one of the women in that mastermind said to me, it's really about differentiating between fear, the challenge, the fear that you feel when there's a challenge or the danger you feel when there's a challenge. And they're very different feelings. Mm -hmm. And I now think, oh, most of the challenges that I face, it's fear that comes up for me. It's not a danger about <laughs> I'm going to be trolled or my privacy is going to be breached. It's really that I'm a little bit afraid about doing this. But that's very different, I think, than putting yourself in danger by sharing private things. Oh, I just, I love the, the way that you frame that and, um, you know, that you can ease into it as well. And then, like you said, there are ways and measures to protect your privacy if you really want to have a space that is personal for you, have accounts that are personal for you. If that you don't want to put up that photo or share that story, don't share that photo or story, but there is still a way that you can share about yourself and what your experience is while still yeah. holding things back for yourself. Yeah, and I think most people don't necessarily want a shiny, glossy version of you. And look, if I tried, I couldn't even be a shiny, glossy <laughs> version. I don't even know how to do that. And so I think you just have to show up in the way that feels comfortable for you as you are and your people will find you. Oh, some of your headlines that get me the most are like, 
I've messed up or oh, I, <laughs> there's know, a lot this, of those <laughs> yeah but it's great because you're like oh she messed up cool I'm not yeah. the only one I want to know how she messed up or like what or this didn't work I tried this and it didn't work and it's like oh cool she's trying things and it didn't work either like that is so humbling and um it's so generous of you to to do that for the audience and you do it in a very authentic and natural way and you are absolutely I look at your you're a consummate professional but you're human you know it's like we can be professional and we can also be a human who doesn't have the shiny veneer and I, I've had it kind of recently that I, the ego comes in and it's like I'm the teacher I'm the coach I'm meant to be doing all the things how can I tell someone else to do all the things if I'm not doing all the things and then it's like well actually <laughs> I'm very much talking to other people the same way that I'm yeah. talking to myself and yes. I'm on this journey I just might be a few steps ahead and sometimes I fall back behind as well. Yeah, and I think that's really, it's really reassuring when someone you look up to doesn't necessarily have all the answers or shares their struggles. And I think one of my most popular posts or emails that I sent out was about <laughs> my rejections, like the worst rejections mm-hmm. I'd had from editors. And people wrote back to me and they're like, oh, my God, I'm reading this email with my hands over my <laughs> eyes. Like it's so mortifying. I was like, I know it is mortifying to share those emails, but I think it's important because I think otherwise you can look at people and think they don't ever experience any rejection. Look at the success they're having. No one ever says no to them. You're like, no, they're just not sharing. <laughs> they're just not sharing it. We're all having those experiences. Yes, yes. And it removes the shame as well when you say it out loud, you know, yeah. all the lovely Brene Brown <laughs> things. It, it does yeah. remove the shame when you're not sitting in your own office going, I'm the only one who ever got rejected. It's like some of those best stories, the stories we love are the, the, the hero triumphing after a, a fall, you know. Yeah. But we forget when we're looking at ourselves. So the more people who can share their story like you have um all the better I think you you would have helped so many people on their freelance journey and and business it's a business as well I think people don't realize that when you're running when you're a freelancer yes you're working as one person but you are it's a business yeah and I think that's the big difference in what um how I see whether people are achieving what they want to achieve is that they're treating it like a hobby or they're treating it like a business where they are making decisions based on all sorts of things like the bottom line and their time rather than just um, still feeling that thrill, which we all feel when you get a commission or you land a big gig, but also thinking, is this actually going to work for me and what I want to achieve out of this business? Otherwise, you just burn yourself out. Yes, and you've been very focused with that. I love that you had that freedom of the year uh, that has turned into five or six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the year that you had and your husband supporting that, that you got to just be you and yourself and look for work. Obviously, you wanted to make it financially viable, but you got to pursue the way that you wanted to work as well. And you talk a lot about that. You're quite open in terms of your lifestyle. And I know that you've taken a couple months off here and there. Um, to you know but you still manage to make the income and that's building a life that you want and a business that you want um you know it's not just work 
Yeah, and I think things change too. I think sometimes, and I am guilty of this too, in that I've worked hard to secure potential clients who have become then some of my greatest clients, but then I've outgrown them or they've outgrown me or something has changed in the relationship and I'm not loving doing the writing. Sometimes it's really hard to let go of too because that struggle to get them and to land them, you know how hard it's been? It can be really difficult to... Um, let that go but in order to get where you want to go for the next step you can't keep doing the same things because nothing will change yep nothing changes if nothing changes yeah oh ah I could talk to you for hours <laughs> I, I must run off to a Wiggles concert of all things because you know <laughs> business life work so good so please tell us how can we connect with you yeah, so probably the best way is to go to thefreelancersyear.com and I've got um, four or five different freebies that if you're looking for my income target spreadsheet that helped me get to 100K, you can download that. I've got um, 10 successful pictures that I sent to magazine and newspaper editors and also over at Instagram, I'm at thefreelancersyear. I love it. So helpful and as I've said so many times Lindy is extremely generous in terms of the content that she provides and uh, that openness to how she's working so if it's something but you know it, not if you're just a writer as well if you're listening the way Lindy's running her business I'm, I'm just like fangirling here, but like, <laughs> the way that you're running your business and the way that you're making it work for your lifestyle that honesty I think that anybody could read that and resonate as a business owner and as somebody who's trying to build their own brand Thank you. That's so lovely of you to say. Thank you. Uh, I think we'll have to get you back another time. You're just so full of wisdom. So thank you for your time, Lindy. Thank you, Emma. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Live and Love Your Brand. I'm so grateful that you've shared your time by listening today. That means so much to me. And if you're loving what you're learning, I would be so appreciative if you'd leave a review, rate this podcast and subscribe. It really shows me that you care, but it also helps other listeners to find us too. Again, please be sure to connect with me. I love hearing from you and getting to know your story. You can connect with me on Instagram at lovelycoms, Facebook, Lovely Communications, and please do join the gorgeous community, Live and Love Your Brand, our Facebook group. Or if you're ready to take action now and want to improve how you show up in the world with your brand, then head on over to lovelycommunications.com. Again, lovely is L-O-V-E-L-L-Y, communications.com, to learn how you can work with me. My clients have gone on to experience opportunities that they could never have dreamed of. From starting businesses to taking leadership in their own life, they have found the confidence to stand in who they are and to go wholeheartedly after what they truly want in life. And I want that for you too. If you're ready to invest in yourself and reconnect with who you are, then let's chat. Thank you again for listening. Now go into the world and share the beauty that is the uniqueness of you. Catch you next week, lovely.